Blog Talk Radio. I've got a really special guest for you today on One Dimitri Radio. His name is Ed Henry. Yes, the Ed Henry. You've been seeing him on uh, Fox News Channel. He's the uh, chief national correspondent. I think he was at the White House for a number of years grilling the Obama administration whenever they would finally allow him to ask a question there at the news conferences. And he's written this book. It's called 42 Faith, The Rest of the Jackie Robinson Story. And he's my special guest here at One Dimitri Radio. So, Ed Henry, first, welcome to One Dimitri Radio. And what is your weird connection here with Jackie Robinson? Well, it's great to be with you, Dimitri. I mean, first of all, I'm a big baseball fan, and we could talk about that. And I think that's something passed on from fathers to sons. My dad, who's still alive, is still a big baseball fan and and someone who uh, imbued that, I guess, in me at an early age. And uh, I've done the same with my son, who's now about to turn 16. Uh, But in specifics, you know, in terms of Jackie Robinson, I never thought I would write a book about him. I thought maybe I'd write a book about politics, as you say. I covered the White House for 10 years, the Bush uh, and uh, Obama administrations uh, for CNN and and then Fox, as you noted. Um, And so politics has been my passion, but baseball was always in the background as well. And I was at a dinner party about 10 years ago. And it was going on way too long, one of these Washington affairs that's just way, way too long. Um, and I was trying to duck out. And the excuse I came up with was that it was October 2007. Uh, World Series was going on, Rockies versus Red Sox. I didn't have a care about either team, to be honest. I'm a Yankees fan. Uh, no offense to the Pirates. Um, and But the bottom line is I turned to this older woman next to me that I thought I had nothing in common with, and I said, sorry to leave early, but I want to go watch the World Series. And she said, oh, are you a baseball fan? And I said, yeah, I love baseball. She said, my late father-in-law had a major role in baseball history, but the story's never been told. Well, Dimitri, I know that if you were about to duck out of a dinner party and somebody said something like that to you as a broadcaster, you'd probably sit back down. Yeah. So that's exactly what I did. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, he was her late father-in-law was a minister in Brooklyn. New York, of course, and in 1945, there was a knock at the door. Secretary said, there's a man downstairs. He's got a terrible problem he's wrestling with, wants to talk to the minister. Send him on up to the second floor. The minister says, what can I do? He says, let let me work this problem out on my own, and the man starts pacing, lets the minister do his work at his desk. And, you know, as I heard the story later, the minister, you know, probably any minister goes through these kinds of things. Uh, Any religious leader where someone was embarrassed, they want to confess something, they don't know how to spit the words out. Well, finally, the man, after 45 minutes of searching and pacing and praying, uh, slams his fist down and says, I got it, puts his hat on and starts to leave. And the woman said, do you, do you know who that man was? And I said, well, if it was 1945, it had to be Branch Rickey, the general manager of the Dodgers. And she said, yeah, he was uh, signing Jackie to a minor league contract, but wasn't sure if he could go through with it. And so at the end of the meeting, he said to the minister, I'm going to sign Jackie Robinson in the first contract. Uh, it's the hardest decision of my life. I had to be in your presence, he said to the minister. I had to be in God's presence to know it was the right thing to do. So I went on this journey to chase that story down, but a journey also to figure out, wow, how much did faith in God play a role in terms of Branch Rickey's devotion to integrating the game of baseball? But then perhaps more importantly, how how much of a role did faith in God play for Jackie Robinson, who obviously was – the recipient of of so much unfortunate abuse, verbal, death threats, everything, just simply because he wanted to play baseball. Okay. Now, several things here. First, Jackie, Branch Rickey was the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Is that right? Yeah, the executive, basically. Yeah, he was the decision maker. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's not the decision maker. That would be the owner. 
you never hear anything about yeah. the ownership of the Dodgers because they had to sign off on this. Who owned the Dodgers, and why don't we ever hear about them regarding the Jackie Robinson story? You know, that's that's a great question, and actually I wrestled with that, and I do have it in the book. I mean, for shorthand, I'm talking about Brain Tricky because he did have enormous power uh, as a general manager and basically president of the team, but they were largely owned at that time in the 40s by the Brooklyn Trust Company, uh, which is essentially a bank. Um, and um, I'm forgetting the man's name, George. I remember his first name being George. I have him in the book. O'Malley? Uh, No, the O'Malley's later got involved. So you had Walter O'Malley and then later his son, Peter O'Malley. And Walter Mm -hmm. O'Malley was the owner who eventually took over the team from the Brooklyn Trust Company and, in fact, Branch Rickey, because Branch Rickey owned 25% of the team, not in 45, but later on in the late 40s. But long story short, you're absolutely right that I don't think the Brooklyn, the leaders of the Brooklyn Trust Company, basically the board of the directors and others who own the team, do not get enough credit because Branch Rickey, before ever signing Jackie Robinson, did go to the Brooklyn Trust Company and say, look, I need more money. And they said, well, for what? And he said, for scouting. And I put this in the book, so you'll get all the details. And they said, okay, well, who are you going to scout? He said, well, I want to go into Latin America. You know, I want to go down to Mexico. Uh, I want to see if we can get more Latinos, uh, more Hispanic players. And, and, you know, by the way, Branch Rickey said, because he was trying to open the door, we may find a black player here or there down playing down in Latin America. And the leaders of the Brooklyn Trust Company, you're right, uh, rather than flinch, said, okay, well, you know, we're willing to cut the check, first of all, to improve the scouting. But secondly, if you come up, if you turn up a couple of black players who you think will be good, uh, fine. And that opened the door, a crack, a big crack maybe. Uh, and then Branch Rickey, though, I still maintain, he had enormous power, though, as the general manager to actually push Robinson uh, number one. And, and number two, I think as well, um, you know, this was something that um, there were a lot of other black players who, you know, were considered by Branch Rickey. He did, a, a, you know, an enormous amount of scouting work and, 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 and looked through not just their uh, baseball abilities, but their personal lives and um, whether or not they had a girlfriend or a wife in, in terms of having a support network, for example. Uh, and to the point of my book, he also, Branch Rickey, who was a Methodist, a very strong Christian, uh, he investigated to see which one of these black players who were mostly playing in the Negro Leagues, uh, which one ones had a Christian faith? Because he felt like, obviously, um, this first was going to end up facing an enormous amount of abuse. And if you remember the movie 42 where Harrison Ford played Branch Rickey, his big thing was the idea that you had to sort of turn the other cheek, that there were going to be people shouting awful words at you. There were people threatening Jackie's life, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and, and on the ball field, somebody might throw a punch at him. And Ricky's point was no one's going to remember the first punch, but they'll remember the second punch if Jackie lost his temper. And then they would say, you're an angry black man. You should be in the game. And it would blow up the whole experiment. So he very carefully looked, and I make the case in the book, that Jackie's own mother being a Methodist and raising him, uh, as a Christian is something that connected with Brand Tricky. It wasn't the only factor, but I make the case in the book it was a key factor that sort of bound Ricky and Robinson together. Was Jackie Robinson really that religious? Uh, Robinson, I found, uh, was more religious, I guess, than people assume um, because in the movie 42 and a lot of the other books, uh, you know, Ricky is presented as a character who is very spiritual, 
Uh, one of his nicknames was Mahatma because of his long-winded sermons and whatnot that he liked to give to the press and uh, wearing religion on his sleeve. Another nickname, by the way, was El Chipo because he'd like to cut the salaries of the players whenever he could, and, and some of them were quite bitter about that. Um, and um, Robinson didn't really wear it on his sleeve, but I chart his path in the book. And, you know, the kind of brief summary is that Jackie was born essentially to a single mom on a plantation in Georgia. His father left home when he was an infant. Um, Jackie never really knew his dad. His mom, with great courage, and I think that's where Jackie got a lot of his courage. It wasn't just strength in, 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 faith, in his faith, but it was his mom imbuing that faith, but also his mom just having real guts. I mean, here's an African-American woman in Georgia around 1920, 1921. Her husband leaves home, takes Jackie and, and his siblings uh, onto a train. Obviously, they were in the in what was known as the colored cars. They had awful accommodations. She takes a train ride from Georgia to Pasadena, California, which is a long ride even now, but back then it had to be awful, um, with $3 sewn into her dress. That was what she had to her name. Um, and just thought that Jackie and his siblings could have a better life uh, out in California. And while there were no Jim Crow laws technically out in Pasadena, it was quite a racist town. Uh, Jackie was very bitter about that later in life. Uh, and to your direct question about, you know, how religious was Jackie? Well, he joined a gang when he was a kid. He was going the wrong way. And it was a minister, a Christian minister named Carl Downs that really set him on the right path. And he was somebody who his faith also mattered to him when he was in college. Remember, he was a four-letter man at UCLA, the first one at UCLA, of basketball, baseball, track and field, football. And he writes in his own memoirs, Jackie, before he passed in 1972, that, you know, he'd play on the gridiron, uh, fullback for UCLA, and some say he could have been better than Jim Brown if he had gone to the NFL instead of Major League Baseball, by the way, quite an athlete. Uh, but Jackie wrote about how he'd be all sore on Saturday after being on the gridiron, running for all those yards, and he'd get up Sunday morning and say, boy, I don't want to get out of bed, but he'd get out of bed because he promised Carl Downs that while he was in college, he would go back to that same Methodist church in Pasadena and teach Sunday school. So to your question, you know, here's Jackie, a great football star, baseball star, all the rest at UCLA and was teaching Sunday school. So I'm not trying to make the case that, you know, he was the most religious person ever or that, you know, faith in God was the only thing that carried him. But I, I think we have a lot of evidence in, in 42 Faith that shows that Jackie's faith was a key ingredient, not the only one, but a key one. And what was the most surprising thing that you learned about Jackie Robinson in writing this book, uh, 42 Faith? Well, I interviewed his wife, Rachel Robinson. Among the many things that I learned from her and from my research, um, it was a brief interview. She's almost 95 years old, so I don't want to exaggerate. She, she, by the way, does not endorse the book in any way. There's a lot of books and movies written about Jackie, and so, um, you know, she uh, doesn't get involved in that. And so this is my own work, um, and so it's not official biography or anything like that. Uh, is it one of the anecdotes from Rachel um, that gets to your previous question, by the way, about how strong his faith was? Again, I don't want to exaggerate it, but I think it was, it was important to him. Is that during his rookie season of 1947, when people were shouting these awful, awful things from the stands and they were literally uh, saying, you know, there's sharpshooters on the roof across from Ebbets Field. They're going to shoot you if you walk out on the field. I mean, it, it was ugly. Uh, let's not minimize that. Um, Rachel Robinson remembers that every night before he went to bed, Jackie would get down on his hands and knees like his mother, uh, Mally, taught him, uh, Mally Robinson, way back in, in Pasadena, and pray to God every night before he went to bed like he was a little kid. 
And that image sort of stuck with me as I was writing the book because here was this great American hero, this great baseball star, and more than just baseball, he transcends sports, a civil rights hero. Um, and yet every night he saw, you know, sort of a power in a greater being. And so I'm not trying to proselytize with the book or say, you know, this is, you know, what others should do. Everyone has to make up their own mind. And Jackie himself in his own writing said that there were better Christians than him and that he didn't want to hold himself up as somebody who was perfect. Um, but I just think that it's clear to me that throughout his entire life, not just when he was on the ball field, you know, faith was something that was important to Jackie. I know we uh, don't have much time. I, honestly, I could listen to you all day on this subject. I really could. But uh, before I hand you my oh, microphone, because I give you the, I always give my guests the last word. I've got to ask you one question. A little, what seems to be a little known fact. If anybody would know, it would be Ed Henry, Fox News Channel chief <laughs> national correspondent and author of Forty Two Faith. And that is this: Was Jackie Robinson the first Rosa Parks before Rosa Parks? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I make the case in the book that uh, it was almost a decade before Rosa Parks refused to, you know, give up her seat that um, Jackie Robinson was integrating baseball. Uh, I also note in the book that it was a couple of decades before Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And, and again, I want to be careful. I'm not trying to minimize what Dr. King did. I'm not trying to minimize, and I know you're not with your question, trying to minimize what Rosa Parks did. There were, there were all kinds of civil rights pioneers who uh, rightly have enormous legacies, and, and we should uh, pay homage to them whatever we can. But with Jackie, it was Dr. King himself who said that Jackie was a sit-inner before there were sit-ins. I mean, he was literally a sit-inner before the, anyone knew what that phrase was, before people were going to Woolworths or, you know, going to the egg cream uh, stand and, and, you know, insisting that, that they get a seat, uh, literally a seat at the table. Uh, Jackie was so far ahead of his time. Um, and so um, I think the fact that, you know, we rightly celebrate the I Have a Dream speech in 1963 as a seminal moment, as a seminal uh, moment in the civil rights movement, Jackie, you know, did all that he did in 1947, long before that the military was not integrated yet. Yes. Um, so this is someone with an enormous legacy. A lot of people don't realize this. It's like he wasn't just a baseball thing. This was like pre-Rosa Parks, pre-Dr. Martin Luther King. They don't realize how big this guy is. Look, I I, I, I don't want to monopolize your yeah. time. I know you've got so many other interviews. No, I have more time. So go ahead. If you've got a couple more questions, go for it. Okay. Um, well, actually, what I what – I, okay. Did Jackie Ro – okay, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'll give you the last word here with, Go the, for with it. the interview. Did Jackie Robinson ever feel badly about being the single biggest cause for the, the, the end, the collapse of the Negro Leagues? No. I, well, I, you know, I have to be honest that I didn't spend a ton of time investigating, you know, and researching a lot about the Negro Leagues because – we should remember that, as I recall, Jackie only played in the Negro Leagues for, like, literally months. He, he did not play a long time like Cool Papa Bell and Josh Gibson and Satchel Paige. But he, he had been, remember, he served in the U.S. Army and had an incident on a bus, a Rosa Parks-like incident, by the way, before Rosa Parks. Oh, again, what was it? What was it? What uh, was in the it? early four. What was it? Oh, well, I don't, have, I have almost an entire chapter. Don't chap bury the lead. Tell yeah, me the well, story. I have almost. 
Well, you get, well, first of all, I want you to still buy the book. You get it at 42faithbook.com. Pre-order it now. It comes out Tuesday. But here, but I'll tell you some of it now. So I don't want to give up all the details because I got a lot of rich detail. But, but yes, in the early 40s, Jackie was, um, as I recall, I think he, he rose to lieutenant. Uh, he, he was quite accomplished in the military and, and yet he wanted to play baseball in the military and, and, and they wouldn't let him play on the team. Um, he was down at Fort Hood in Texas. Uh, and then he was in a situation where he was sitting on a bus um, and going, I think, to a medical appointment because he had something wrong with his leg. Um, and the bus driver um, wanted Jackie to move seats. And Jackie was tough, obviously. This is someone who was very courageous and said that the, his service in the military superseded the Jim Crow laws in Texas. And he was right about that point, by the way, um, that – the fact that he was in the military, he was entitled to have that seat on the bus that was taking him from the military base to a, a, call it a, a doctor's office or a medical center uh, off base or near base. Um, and he, they had quite a fight. And the bus driver basically pulled the bus over and went to a depot um, and used incredibly offensive language. Uh, and Jackie, at one point, there's a whole police report, a military police report that I and other authors have gone through. Uh, in which Jackie said, if you use the N-word again, I'm going to break you in half, I think was the phrase he used, um, to the bus driver. And this this plays in to not just him being a groundbreaker and standing up way before he was even playing for the Dodgers, but it also gets it to something that Branch Rickey had to weigh, which is, boy, does that show that Jackie had guts and that he wasn't just going to be a, a pushover based on how he stood up to that bus driver? You're darn right. But Branch Rickey also wanted, again, someone who had that Christian faith who could stand up for himself. But when the situation got really hot, say if, if there was a collision at second base or something with a slide, not turn it into a brawl because he knew that that would divide people in the stands and would come a black-white issue uh, and would just blow up the whole experiment. So um, Jackie ended up um, you know, facing a court-martial in the Army. He got, he got an honorable discharge. He was trying to get the NAACP and others to back him up. Um, and he ended up leaving the military because of this incident, but again, honorably, um, and, and never in the end really faced charges and, and didn't get into, into trouble because he was standing up for his rights. And so there's almost an entire chapter on that uh, in the book. And so, look, uh, this is someone who had his, his fingerprints all over uh, the civil rights uh, yes. era, um, yes. you know, and, 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 and almost he, he almost started writing the chapters, as you say, before Rosa Parks and, and Dr. King. Uh, started started opening up the book and writing their chapters. Oh, yeah. Plus, he's got a better story with the bus than Rosa Parks. She didn't try to break the guy in half. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> my, uh, I always give my guest the last word. I'm going to hand you my short SM7B dynamic microphone. This is your opportunity to speak directly with my listeners, repeat key points that we brought up in the interview, bring up new points, and also to promote shamelessly this wonderful book, 40 Years <laughs> Faith, The Rest of the Jackie Robinson Story, Ed Henry, Fox News Channel. My microphone is yours. I appreciate that, Dimitri. I think uh, one thing I'd like to highlight is that Jackie didn't do it alone. I mentioned Rachel Robinson. She certainly played a major role in standing up with him and for him. Branch Rickey was essentially a teammate, you know, side-by-side, side, a pioneer of his own. I have a lot of rich detail about that in 42 Faith. Uh, but what I really want to highlight are some of his Brooklyn Dodgers teammates. If you watch the movie 42, one of the pivotal scenes uh, is that petition that some of the white Southern players circulated uh, when they were in spring training of 47 saying to Leo DeRocher, the manager, and others, 
if you promote Jackie to the big leagues, he was playing for the minor league Montreal Royals, uh, we're going to walk. And remember, DeRocher and others stood up to these players and said, Jackie's going to be promoted. You get you get out of the way, basically. Well, there was something that happened before that petition that's, that sticks out to me and is in the book. Uh, Carl Erskine, uh, it was one of the pitchers. He's still alive. He's 90 years old. I talked to him. He tells a lot of wonderful stories about Jackie and 42 Faith. But Ralph Franco was another pitcher who sadly just passed away a couple months ago. He was the guy who threw the uh, the shot heard around the world, the pitch to Bobby Thompson where the Giants win the pennant October 3rd, 1951, which, by the way, also I have a lot of rich new detail. And a new story that hadn't really gotten out before uh, behind the scenes at the 51, that classic game you're going to want to read about. But Ralph Branca, in his own memoirs, and I highlight this in my book, talked about how before that whole petition drive and everything, Branca was sitting around with a couple of uh, white players, several white players from the South, deep South, who were on the Dodgers. and said, why are you guys so exercised about this? Why Didn't you all work in gas stations down in the South with, with black guys? Well, didn't you all work together and, and you coexisted? What's the big deal? And one of the white Southern players said, well, the difference is, when we were working at the gas stations, the white guys were fixing the cars and the black guys were pumping the gas. So we were not equal. And Ralph Branca had what I think is the best response. He said, well, you know what? You're not going to be equal on the ball field either. Jackie's better than you. And I think with one sentence or two, Ralph Branca put everything in perspective and shows why this great experiment by Branch Rickey and Jackie Robinson succeeded. Thankfully, uh, and so you can get the book at 42faithbook.com, uh, and there's also a special site we set up, edhenrybook.com, E-D-H-E-N-R-Y book.com, and today you can order a signed book. We're doing a big live signing, um, and you can basically go on there now, edhenrybook.com, and get a signed copy. We'll, we'll get it out to you as quick as we can. Fantastic. Ed Henry, this was Wonderful. 42 Faith, the rest of the Jackie Robinson story. Keep up the great work with the Fox News Channel, and I hope I have the honor of interviewing again, interviewing you again real soon. You have a great day, Ed. Thanks again. Let's do it again. Absolutely. You too. We'll do it later this summer. We'll do it round two. Thank you, sir. Thanks.